The following podcast will contain discussion of sensitive topics that may be upsetting to some listeners. Please continue only as you are comfortable. This is a recording from the Arizona Child Sexual Abuse and Exploitation Prevention Coalition meeting held on March 30th, 2023. Today we are joined by Brooke Fulton from Arizona Coalition to End Sexual and Domestic Violence. Brooke joined ACES DV in 2022. She has a bachelor's degree in sociology with emphasis on women's and gender studies and a master's degree in applied sociology from NAU. She discovered her passion for helping abuse survivors while interning at Northland Family Help Center and conducting violence fatality research during undergrad. She has worked for Victim Witness Services and most recently ran the Rape Crisis Center Northern Arizona Care and Services After Assault. Thank you all for having me. It's wonderful to be here. My name is Brooke. I am the Director of Sexual Violence uh, Response Initiatives at ACES-DV, the Arizona Coalition to End Sexual and Domestic Violence. I have uh, for you all today kind of a a presentation uh, that kind of talks about the the coalition and the work that we do. I'll also, um, and I appreciate the the lengthy uh, reading of my bio, I'll also go into a little bit just about who I am, how I got here, my um, my history in the movement. Um, I want this to be as, as informal and as much of a conversation as possible. So like, please feel free to jump in at any time. Um, unmute if you have questions or comments or, or in the chat. Um, I would love to, to uh, hear from y'all while I'm talking. Um, so first, I just figured I'd start with who am I? Um, so again, you heard a little bit about, about uh, a little bit about my bio. Um, so I actually live up in Flagstaff. I'm down here in the valley today uh, for work, where our office is in Central Phoenix. Uh, but I have lived in Northern Arizona in Flagstaff uh, specifically for 17 years. I came out to Flagstaff from California to go to college. Um, received my bachelor's degree uh, in sociology with an emphasis on women and gender studies. Uh, I have never taken the traditional route in uh, schooling or career paths. I think I took about seven years to get my bachelor's. Um, So always, uh, always a proponent of um, it doesn't, it can take more than four. It's okay if it takes more than four because it took me a really long time to figure out what I wanted to do. Right after college, or actually in college, I did a fatality. Uh, I, I was an I intern for the Family Violence Institute, um, which has now moved down to ASU uh, with Dr. Neil Websale, where I did domestic violence fatality research work. Um, I also interned in a domestic violence shelter. Uh, I also highly recommend doing internships um, for those of you who are involved in um, any kind of higher education learning right now. Um, it looks really great on a resume. It's great to get that community experience. Um, and for me personally, it was uh, really eye-opening. You know, it's a great way to get experience without making a commitment for like a job job um, because I, I did, uh, I also did an internship in a different kind of social work and I was like oh this population working with this population is not for me but I also realized that I really loved working with survivors and that's kind of what started my career um 
After college, I got a job at Victim Witness Services for Coconino County as their uh, volunteer coordinator where I ran their 24-7 crisis response program. From there, I became their felony victim advocate, then lead felony victim advocate. Um, my caseload was all of the felonies in Coconino County except for domestic violence and sexual assault. So my caseload was comprised of um, homicide, DUI manslaughter, aggravated assault, armed robbery. At any given point, I had a caseload from um, usually around 120 to 135 cases. And what that looked like was when someone either experienced victimization or when there was a homicide uh, committed, I would get paired up with either the victim or the next of kin. Um, and sometimes that was like the day of. I, I found myself at times on the scene of homicides where um, I, we knew that something had happened and I could introduce myself there in that moment and make that connection as quickly as possible with, with survivors and next of kin. Um, then it is acting as a kind of a liaison between uh, victims or victim representatives, um, law enforcement prosecutors and advocating for victims of crime throughout the entire court process. Um, I worked with some victims for up to several years, sometimes even after the case closed. Um, so that that was really unique in that we worked with um, clients four years at a time. Um, from there in 2018, I, I went on to run NACASA, which is Northern Arizona Care and Services After Assault. NACASA provides uh, medical forensic exams to victims of uh, adolescent and adult victims of string, uh, domestic violence, strangulation, and sexual assault. Um, so I did that for four years, and uh, I have now been in this current position for about nine months. Um, I'll go into what a state coalition is in just a moment, um, but here at ACES-DB, uh, we, uh, we do a lot of things, but we provide training and technical assistance um, to direct service providers. So I'm no longer working very directly with survivors of crime, um, if at all, um, but we provide support to folks who do. So we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, coalitions and what they entail. So what is a state coalition? State coalitions are membership organizations. Our members are agencies, organizations, and or programs that have a primary purpose of serving survivors, uh, victim survivors of sexual and or domestic violence. So examples of members include domestic violence and sexual assault programs, family advocacy centers, nonprofit and government-based system uh, service programs. State domestic violence coalitions are recognized and designated um, as such by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, we, the primary funding is received from FIPSA, which is the Family Violence Preventions and Services Act. State sexual assault coalitions are recognized and designated as such by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Primary funding for these are VAWA, which is the Violence Against Women Act. So statewide coalitions. ACCV is one of uh, 56 state and territory coalitions against domestic and sexual violence. Um, so in a lot of organ a lot of states, you'll see um, like MN CASA, which is the Minnesota Center or uh, Coalition Against Sexual Assault. They're, they are just sexual violence. You'll also see, um, I think Colorado has a coalition against domestic violence. We are one of the 24 coalitions that is dual uh, DV and sexual assault, which is really cool. So when I first actually got in the movement, ACCV was um, 
ASCDIV, I think is how he said it. It was the Arizona Coalition Against Domestic Violence. So in 2014, ACCD actually rebranded to become a dual coalition. Uh, as mentioned, we're a member-based organization. So our membership options are full, affiliate, individuals, and survivors. Uh, ACES DV was formed in 1980, again, as the Arizona Coalition Against Domestic Violence, by a volunteer base of concerned citizens. Citizens. We received our 501c3 status in 1985. Oh, and I got the date wrong. It was actually 2013 uh, that we became the 24th dual coalition addressing both DV and SA. Our mission and vision, our mission is to end sexual and domestic violence in Arizona by dismantling oppression and promoting equity among all people. You might see our shirts that say dismantle oppression, promote equity. The acronym there is DOPE, which we really like. Uh, so, and we also sell those t-shirts if anyone's interested, they're really cute. Uh, vision, we envision liberated communities uh, rooted in love and joy where all cultures are celebrated, healing is centered and accountability is paired with compassion. Our primary customer is programs whose primary purpose is to provide services to victims of sexual and or domestic violence or who work to prevent sexual and or domestic violence. So our purpose, um, ACES DV collaborates with survivors and community partners um, to end violence and oppression by shifting culture, systems, and policy. We support organizations in building and sustaining trauma-informed responses and comprehensive sexual and domestic violence services. We amplify awareness of sexual and domestic violence to reduce stigma, prevent violence, and champion healing and justice. And we lead the anti-sexual and domestic violence movement in Arizona through centering and elevating the needs and voices of survivors. So the types of membership, uh, we, we have program members. Um, so those are gonna be like the, the actual programs or organizations who work directly with survivors. So those are DV, SV, or dual programs, victim service providers, partners and allies, tribal nations, and tribal DV, SV, or dual programs. Uh, supporting membership, those are gonna be uh, survivors of domestic violence and or sexual assault, student supporters, and affiliate organizations or business supporters. Our guiding principles. ACES DV believes that gender-based violence is rooted in a patriarchal ideology, which ascribes power and privilege to masculinity while disem disempowering and devaluing identities and ideals associated with femininity. This misogyny creates systemic and institutional gender inequality. Furthermore, such violence is fueled by the intersection of multiple forms of oppression, including but not limited to sexism, racism, elitism, classism, ageism, heterosexism, cissexism, ableism, and nationalism. We are committed to confronting the roots of violence, oppression, and victim blaming within ourselves and within economic, social, and political systems. We will focus our efforts on facilitating changes necessary to end oppression and violence by promoting equity among all people guided by the following values. Practices and values, social norms, agency and empowerment and collaborations, human rights, racial justice, Native American and indigenous rights, LGBTQ slash GSM rights and disability rights, policy with immigration reform, limiting access to firearms, access to healthcare and reproductive freedom, economic justice, civic participation, over-criminalization, state violence and control, what we do. So we do an, uh, train, teach training, technical assistance, and expert consultation, collaboration, systems reform, public policy advocacy, public awareness, 
and we have a sexual and domestic violence helpline. So if you or anyone you know um, has, is experiencing uh, intimate partner violence, domestic violence, sexual violence, um, please uh, keep in mind that we do have a hotline Monday through Friday. It's not a crisis line um, in that it's not 24-7, um, but this helpline, uh, we can refer uh, resources. Sometimes there's funding like emergency financial assistance, and we can do warm handoffs to other community resources. Um, so this is a little bit redundant, but I just this slide to talk about the domestic and sexual violence response teams. So again, as we're a dual coalition, um, my title is the Director of Sexual Violence Initiatives. I support the sexual violence response team. That is for uh, sexual violence response coordinators. Um, and then we have a sister team, the domestic violence response team, um, and they have four domestic violence response coordinators. And we do work all over the state of Arizona. Uh, we're a statewide coalition, so oftentimes you might call me and you might find me on the border down in Nogales or up in Page. Uh, tomorrow I'll be in Prescott doing a presentation. Yesterday I was in Cottonwood. We are all over the state. Um, so we're working directly with direct service organizations who work with survivors of sexual and domestic violence. We are providing training, technical assistance, uh, coordination among programs. We act as kind of like a convener. Um, so we have lots of different meetings uh connecting service providers throughout the state to talk about what's going on in the state to talk about challenges that we see um if anyone's familiar with voca which is the Viol uh, victims of crime act um the voca fund has um, been at risk for several years for cuts and it's finally happened where um this three it's always a three-year cycle and this cycle ends September 30th of this year, and uh, it's a federal fund that funds most victim service programs throughout the country, and uh, VOCA funds have been cut by 55%, which is, I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars um, across the country. That means that entire programs are at risk of shutting down. So we start conversations um, among uh, organizations throughout the state about, you know, what are folks, um, what, what are folks' options? What can folks do with the VOCA cuts? Um, we're also uh, uh, rallying and legislating for um, additional funds. We're trying to get $33 million for the state of Arizona to replace the fund funding that we'll be losing. Um, let's see, technical assistance. So that means it's kind of a confusing term, but really what technical assistance is, is if a service program calls me and they say like, hey, we're having trouble um, getting this meeting up off the ground, or we're having trouble getting buy-in from law enforcement, or um, we need help writing protocols for a new service that we're providing, we can help with that technical assistance. We can provide um, direct support on those issues. Um, we do SART work. So SART um, stands for Sexual Assault Response Teamwork. Um, and so we have a, a quarterly SART meeting, um, SART coordinators meeting where um, Every in, it's recommended that every community have a, a sexual assault response team. Um, and so we have, I believe, around 60 throughout the state of Arizona. And um, we are, uh, sorry, we have about 60 throughout the state of Arizona. And uh, we have a quarterly meeting to just discuss what's going on in sexual assault response teams across the state. As, as many of you, or if not all of you know, uh, Arizona is a geographically very large state, and we have uh, urban areas, rural areas, and everything in between. And so 
um, we can talk about challenges in different areas. Um, and so if somebody's experiencing something in a rural area, like transportation, um, we can help connect them with folks in other rural areas. Um, again, we do community outreach and coordination and, and we live all over Arizona. So I mentioned I live in Flagstaff. Um, I generally work remote, but I had an in-person meeting today in Phoenix, which is why I'm here. But what's really cool is our team is also all over the state. We have one coordinator who lives in Goodyear and then two other coordinators who live in Tucson. And so um, when we get together for team meetings, it's usually virtual, but once a quarter we get together in person and eat lunch and um, get to see each other face to face. But, you know, we really, um, as a coalition, really advocate for having representation all over the state of Arizona because, um, you know, it's the Arizona Coalition to End Sexual and Domestic Violence, not the Phoenix Coalition, right? Um, so the role of our program members is to help inform policy agenda. That's another thing I love about working for the coalition is um, we we look to our members to guide us on what work needs to be done, um, especially policy work, especially things at, at the legislative level. Um, we assist in developing best practices for Arizona service standards, um, help inform recommendations to systems work, and help inform and all of these things help to inform us of trends and issues on the front line. So for convening and collaborating, um, these are just some of our of our community groups. We have community partners addressing domestic violence, community partners addressing sexual violence. We have urban executive directors group, rural executive directors, program managers. We have a legal committee. Uh, Rainbow Collective Committee is an LGBTQIA committee. Communities of Color Community Immigration Work Group, a Young Advocates Institute, and the Share Survivor Advisory Committee. All right, so that was a really brief overview of ACCV and the work that we do. Does anyone have any questions? You said communities and sort of gave examples just because there's urban and rural and stuff sort of along those lines in Arizona. <laughs> How, like, would communities mean, like, sort of a, like, couple neighborhood neighborhoods or, like, what, I guess, do you have an example? Just because I'm curious about the scale. Yeah, so if I understand your question correctly, so we are serving direct service providers all over the state of Arizona. And so um, we we have different like listservs. We have um, we like mentioned we have a rural rural listserv and an urban listserv. Obviously not everybody falls into, you know, that's a very binary label for like communities. So not everyone identifies or falls into that. But we really, um, I mean, we we support uh, our program members wherever they're at. So and, and some organizations, um, like, for instance, where I live, we have victim victim witness services for uh, Northern Arizona. So Coconino County, which is where Flagstaff is located, is the second largest geographic county in the US. Um, we're stinking massive. So if you drive from like, one corner to the other, it's a four hour drive. Um, and in Coconino County, we have, you know, Flagstaff is pretty urban, suburban. Um, and then we have areas that are like the most rural of the rural. So we serve every organization who, um, or and we support every organization who works with victim survivors of domestic and sexual violence. And we just kind of meet them where they're at with training and resources. Does that answer your question? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. My favorite thing about working for the coalition, oh my gosh. So I remember nine years ago when I was a little baby advocate, 
um, telling my husband I'm going to work for the Arizona Coalition someday. And nine years later, I'm here. It's my dream job. It's everything I thought I would be. Um, there's many, many, many things I love about the coalition. I think my absolute favorite, though, is just the culture that we're um, that we're generating. It's it's a culture where every voice is amplified, every person is is respected as a human. Um, there's a ton of just respect for each other and the work that we do. It's collaborative in nature. Um, even when I have what feels like a dumb idea. I, nobody else makes me feel like my idea was dumb. I just really, I, the culture is just something that I really, really appreciate here. Um, our inclusion to um, representation and diversity and um, confronting white supremacy are all things that are like at the forefront of the work that we do. Um, it's just a really, it's just a really incredible uh, organization and I'm thrilled to be here. Is this a question for me? Um, well, actually, well, yes. So okay. we're, we'll ask it to um, everyone in the organization or everyone in the coalition. It's for everyone um, who is part of an organization and has some ideas that they're working on. But like in general, um, we would like anybody to answer this. If you could do anything, if you had a magic wand, what are, you know, one or two things that you would do to prevent sexual violence? Just um, magically, I guess. Tammy said, invest in more education at the early years because that is where it all begins. We've said it before and we'll say it again. Prevention at the root causes. <clears throat> hey, okay, sorry about that. Um, one of the questions kind of piggybacks to this, but I wanted to ask Brooke. Brooke, when, as you had so much experience and now you're working with the coalition, what are some of the things that you see like community organizations are able to help collaborate with you all or provide learnings and insights to you like in terms of designing even additional programs that you all offer in this lane of sexual um, and domestic violence that's a great question thank you tiffany um so we this is just kind of an example of something we're working with right now, but we are responsible for conducting a statewide needs assessment, um, which hasn't been done in about nine years and it's supposed to be done every 10. So we're like, oh gosh, we've got to get on this. And we cannot complete the statewide needs assessment without getting input from service providers throughout the entire state. We, it's really important to us that we have voices from direct service providers representing each community um, each county, each tribe, um, and survivors who are underserved, um, survivors with disabilities, survivors who are in the LGBTQIA community, um, survivors who are unhoused, uh, survivors uh, who are immigrants, survivors who um, don't speak English. Um, and so what, we've, what we're finding is that getting feedback and participation from organizations has been more difficult than we thought. And we know that it's because everybody is, oh, everybody is, is so busy. Um, there's no end to this work. Um, there's no end to the work that needs to be done. Um, everybody's overwhelmed. Everybody's understaffed. Folks are facing being underfunded. Turnover has been really high. Um, all, all real reasons to be really stressed, but we're like, oh gosh, we still have to get the voices um, of the orgs who are representing all of the all of the survivors throughout the entire state. And so 
I would say just, you know, um, collaborating with us, getting on our listservs when we send out um, surveys or asks for interviews or asks for focus groups, know that we're doing it with the intention of, um, of improving services in Arizona. Thank you for that question. Absolutely, which goes to um, the next slide, which is a perfect segue. Uh, and we have some great, um, we have some great input in the chat for sure. Um, but like, hold on, let me scroll up here. Like your mission, absolutely investing in more education in early years is where it all begins. No guns for abusers for life and statue, no statue of limitation for victims to seek justice. Uh, would love to get rid of the idea in some people's head that those who are abused ask for it. Absolutely. And longer and more consistent sentencing for abusers and everyone has a working understanding of consent. Absolutely. So with some of the organizations that are on the call, like if someone can come off chat come with, or however, come off chat or come off mute, uh, what are you doing now to end sexual violence in Arizona? Like we have a, a number of organizations that are on here. So in trying to drive that collaboration and as Brooke just mentioned, driving that um, under like the voices at the table, like what are you seeing um, that's, that's still the needs that even Brooke can even take some of these input back to the coalition as well. I'll speak on this. Uh, Nadia here with Taro's Health Pendergast Coalition. Um, my coalition, we're mostly focused on ending, uh, you know, drug use amongst youth. Uh, but with that, um, we are we go into the schools in the district that we work in, and we teach them life skills. We're starting as young as fourth grade, so I do feel like that just teaching them life skills is instilling that early education that was mentioned in the chat because we're going over things like communication skills how to say no if something's making you uncomfortable you have the right to say no and there's different ways of saying no teaching them basic social skills uh, so i think it's just really important to instill these um, abilities in our, in our youth early on that way when they're growing up they know how to make decisions and how to pick good people as friends or how they themselves can also be that good person to help others. That's awesome. Thank you. I'll go ahead, Susanna. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to follow through on that. Nadia, thank you so much for bringing that up because one of the things um, I'm Susanna Urbanic. I'm with Child Help Speak Up, Be Safe um, prevention curriculum and Obviously, we're all about prevention. Um, child health as a whole has myriad programs for intervention and treatment of child abuse. Um, but the prevention program specifically tries to prevent these things from happening and there ever being survivors um, to have to intervene and, and treat. So um, what Nadia brought up are really important skills to build in young kids. And we start with pre-K kindergarten and build um, awareness of, you know, what are behaviors that are abusive or not okay. Um, and go all the way up to, to grade 12, we've just added a module for um, human trafficking prevention for middle and high schoolers. Um, and it's all about instilling um, self-worth 
and it's not okay for anyone to hurt me, no matter what they say. Uh, and starting, uh, you know, at that point, so um, so that we're building a society where we um, cut that cycle of abuse um, and stop that from happening. Um, and I um, so was hearing the laments in the presentation about the lack of funding because we're all underfunded, and um, I. I I wish, I wish, I wish, I pray that there were more funding for prevention efforts as well. So if that was my one magic wand wish, that's what I would, I would say. Make it all free to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Tammy dropped into uh, the chat, educating and supporting those abused. Um, and then Daphne worked with the Coalition of Attorney, Attorney Generals to share uh, hotline services for a survivor. Absolutely. And then I'll also as well, um, I represent Doves Network and some of the things that we're doing is also rooted in intervention and prevention. And so with the intervention, we have those um, peer groups where teens that have experienced that are able to go through some healing, trauma-informed healing curriculum to know that it wasn't their fault and kind of healing from that experience. And then from a prevention standpoint, we've been talking with, even with parents and going into churches and schools to provide that training of like what no means and what consent means. And especially we've been having with the parent involvement and even in churches, because a lot of times faith plays a major role with our survivors, but also you can get reporting from these avenues as well. And again, it goes back to like believing survivors, right? And a lot of times if someone is seeing what is happening in their homes or within family members or, you know, making sure that their voices are elevated and here's how you can connect to other organizations within the community as well. So, awesome, do we have any more? Oh, I'm seeing them coming in. Carl um, has worked with some amazing high schools at Carl Hayden High School, bringing community partners in to bring awareness to topics such as teen dating violence, had the city of Phoenix come in and speak to the students, how to recognize signs of abuse, what to do, who to go to, and recognizing the signs. Absolutely so, so important, especially in this age of digital, for sure. And Marcella mentioned at Northland, our comment team has trained in a few evidence-based prevention programs, particularly safe dates with middle and high schoolers, and bringing in the bystander um, with NAU, Northern Arizona. We also lead groups in our youth shelter program, we'll have the relationships, consent, communication, emotional regulation, mindfulness, etc. Love that. And Tammy, educating ECE on the importance of body space, that kids have the language skills to speak up, to be aware of old tradition stories and give choices. We do training on how these affects the brain and development through the trauma and the actual physical trauma because the exacerbation is common in SV. 